Abram trusts in God, and he and his family move from their own country to a strange land, where he is to become the father of many nations. A reading from the book of Genesis. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go to your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make for you a great nation, and I will bless you. And make you your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curses you I will curse. And in you all families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the people. Paul presents an example of how we are justified before God. He uses Abraham as an example of how righteousness comes through faith and not by works of the law. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. What then are we to say was gained by Abraham, our ancestor, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to one who, without work, trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but to those, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of us, of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. 
So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Be seated, please. I'm not sure that I ever want to be accounted as God's chosen. Um, Of course, Abraham, we're told, is God's chosen. Um, This is the first encounter in Scripture between God and Abram. And God shows up to Abram, and without so much as a how-do-you-do, says to him, leave your country, leave your kindred, leave your father's house, and go to a country that I will show you. And then, and only then, comes the promise, I will make you the father of many nations, and in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Abram goes. God shows up and says to me, leave your kindred and your country and your father's house. I want to say, why? Um, Abram doesn't. He just goes. And as the story plays out, um, he has no real assurance, uh, you know, how this is all going to go. He wanders through Egypt. He wanders through Canaan. He never really settles down. It's not until Isaac and, and Jacob that Israel begins to settle down. Um, of course, Isaac isn't born until very late in Abram's life. Um, and so God just shows up and says, go, get going, move on. I'm not sure I ever want to be accounted as God's chosen. The same thing kind of happens to Nicodemus. Nicodemus shows up um, to Jesus at night and says, We know that you are a teacher come from God. Really, this is a dialogue between um, John's community and the synagogue. Um, Nicodemus speaking for the, for the synagogue. And we know that because as you get later in the discourse when Jesus says, we have told you things we know, the you is in the plural. Um, and so this is a, a dialogue between two communities. Nicodemus shows up at night, says, we know that God is with you. And Jesus does what Jesus often does in John's gospel, answers a question that Nicodemus didn't ask. Unless one is born from above, one cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I'm Nicodemus. I say, wait a minute. I didn't ask you about the kingdom. I just said you're a person come from God. Unless one is born from above, one cannot see the kingdom. And Nicodemus plays along and says, okay, so how does that happen? How can one be born again? And Jesus says one has to be born of water and flesh, spirit and flesh. And then one can enter the kingdom. Back up a minute. 
Think about where John's community is. John's community has been kicked out of the synagogue. In chapter 9, we're told about the um, blind man, the man born blind that Jesus healed, that anyone who confesses to Christ, they'd already agreed to throw them out. So John's community is adrift. They're like Abram. They've been kicked out of their country, their kindred, and their father's house. And where are they going in this world? And so the Jews are intrigued a little bit about John's community. There are interesting things happening there. The Samaritans are beginning to show up. The Gentiles are beginning to show up. What's going on? Nicodemus shows up and says, we know you're from God. And Jesus says, unless you're born from above, you won't enter the kingdom. Unless you take on a new identity. Why is Abram invited to leave his country and his kindred and his father's house to take on a new identity, to become someone different. Promised of God to be the blessing of many nations. So it is with John's community, unless you're born from above. And it's going to be with you like it is with the Spirit. The wind blows where it wants to. You hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it came from, and you don't know where it's going. So it is with those who are born from the Spirit. You don't know where you came from, and you don't know where you're going. So John's community is in the same situation as Abram. And we're told by Paul that we are to be the heirs of Abram. We are to be the heirs of the promise, wandering like these people of the Spirit, wandering like Abram, not rooted anywhere in the world, but God's chosen. And so then in that context, we hear that famous verse. You see the sign at football games, John 3.16, probably the first Bible verse all of us ever memorized. I can still recite it in the King James Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Think of it in that context. The emphasis is on the whoever. Whoever believes in him should have eternal life. Not the Jews, not the Samaritans, not the Gentiles, but whoever. God so loved the world, not the Jews, not the Samaritans, not the Gentiles, but the world. Anyone who is born again, anyone who trusts, will enter the kingdom. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. Sent the Son to be a pilgrim, just like Abram, just like John's community, to wander about, wondering what was next. We read these scriptures in a week filled with international news. Um, We're terrified of the things that we don't know. Just try buying potassium iodide um, anywhere. It won't do us a lick of good where we are, and yet pharmacies are sold out of it because we're afraid of something happening a world away. Something that happened in Japan after the earthquake, the nuclear reactors. Our world is shrinking. We are wandering and not, we're like Abraham going where we don't know. We declare a no-fly zone in Libya, and the gas prices at my pump go up a dime. Um, Our world is getting smaller and smaller. We pray for the people in Sudan and worry about what's happening in northern Africa because that affects them as it trickles down through Khartoum and into the south. We are afraid of the other, terrified of the other. And we express it in all of these kinds of ways. God says to Abraham, leave your country, leave your kindred, 
Leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. Become an other. Jesus' community is thrown out of the synagogue and Jesus says, it's like the spirit. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. But you hear the sound of it. Where are we going? We don't know. Where is God taking us? We don't know. Do we have the courage to accept that kind of life, to be Abram wandering, to be John's community cut off from where we came from? How can we encounter the other without being frightened? Trust in God's promises. Say, God must have some idea of what this is about. Where is God taking us? Because God so loved the world, not Church of the Advent, not the Episcopal Church, not the Christians, God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever should trust in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Indeed, the son came not to condemn the world but that it might be saved through him. Can we encounter Christ in all of those others we are so afraid of? Can we see God's promise for them as well as for us? Amen. Amen.